if you could build a business in the modern world as big or as small as you want without having to compromise the things that were the most important to you in the very beginning? This is the Wealthy Consultant Talks podcast with Taylor Welch and Mike Walker, as they share with you today their learning lessons from stories in their experiences over the past 10 to 15 years and share with you right here, right now. Let's get into it. Hello, hello. What is going on, my friends? Mike Walker here with the Wealthy Consultant Podcast. You know, I'm going to be throwing down some information today that I know will speak to pretty much everybody out there who's looking to grow their business, scale their business, start their business, whatever it may be in the consulting space. You know, um, I've been in this uh, environment for over 20 years now, having owned, operated and managed and consulted multiple different businesses across multiple different entities and industries. And um, I've learned a lot along the way, um, sometimes the hard way, right? And uh, sometimes from the, you know, the opportunity and privilege to work with other people and, and whatnot. So I'm just going to distill top five biggest mistakes that I see people making in terms of uh, growing their business in the consulting space. And so I have my notes here. I want to go through this as quickly as possible. The idea here is just to download some actionable thoughts that you can then deploy into your business starting today. All right. So let's dive right in. Top five biggest mistakes that consultants make when growing their business. Number one, failing to validate what we call message market match. Okay. So here's something that I see happen all the time. Consultants, subject matter experts, coaches, whatever you may be, educators, they have these amazing abilities. They have amazing talents. They have amazing insights and they want to share it with the world. That is all good. And that is exactly what you should be doing. However, here's the thing. It doesn't so much matter as a consultant what you care about. It's what your avatar is looking for. And when I say avatar, I mean your ideal client, what we call here at the modern day consultant and the wealthy consultant programs, uh, our ICPs, our ideal client profiles. Um, what we're looking for is to truly understand what our audience actually wants, needs, and desires. Okay. So it's great to have amazing ideas and be creative. And that creative brain is, is usually pretty strong in the consultant space because you just want to solve problems. You want to help people and that's all good stuff. However, there is often a disconnect between our ideas of what that should be or could be and what the market is actually calling for. And so what we look for is a strong message market match, essentially something that's going to have signal amongst the noise when it comes to, you know, just being in the market as a consultant and as somebody that needs to stand out in the marketplace, it's imperative that you have a message that's going to resonate with your audience. All right. So that's number one, just truly understand to make sure that you have message market match. We have all kinds of different strategies and systems. We don't have time to get into that today. Um, but just understand that number one, you must have clear message market match. It's not so much about what you care about. It's what your audience, your ideal client profile cares about. Get zeroed in on that. And that will absolutely get you closer to being able to stand out in the marketplace because you're going to be talking their language. Okay. All right. Number two, no clear pricing strategy. This is a big one um, in two levels. First, I'm, I'm going to talk on this level for, uh, or this topic rather for two different angles. Number one, a lot of times, especially in the newer stages of a consultant's career, they have a really hard time understanding what they should even be charging in the first place. 
This is a big one because you know you go, well, it's going to cost me X number of dollars to hire this person to help. I've got these contractors that are going to do this and that. And you start getting very transactional kind of bullet point itemization of your costs in terms of what it's going to take for you to deliver the final product, service, whatever it may be, right? Now that's fine. You'd certainly want to account for those metrics, but here's the thing. It's not about what it costs you. It's about what it results in value to the end customer, your ideal client, right? Like what's the value of them achieving the result? That is what you're charging for, not what it costs you to produce it. Okay. So usually there's a pretty strong discrepancy. People go, well, you know, I want to make hundred dollars an hour. And then it's going to cost me X, Y, Z to fulfill this service. And so they kind of do the math, they add those up. And then here's my price. More often than not, that price that you come up with by taking that approach is going to be far below the actual value, the intrinsic value that it is to the person that's receiving the end result that you're producing. Now, of course, this is assuming that you're producing a really good result, right? So obviously everything revolves around that, but assuming that you are actually giving your end client true transformational results, we need to get more qualitative on what does that mean? What does that mean to them, both in the instance of money generated, time saved, uh, lifestyle improved, whatever it is, whatever category and, and services you're providing, you need to get very, very clear on what it actually means to the end user to have this result achieved. That is far more indicative of what the price you should be charging. So typically, you know, we're not getting into pricing models too deep here, but it is understood that most clients or most uh, consultants are going to charge, you know, either a base retainer or a one-time fee. You know, there's 90-day programs, there's 30-day monthly retainers. I mean, there's all kinds of different methods for collecting money. That's a whole nother topic, but just understand that make sure you're not charging just by the hour per se. You really want to be charging by the end result. What am I producing in value for you? And what is that worth to you and your business in terms of when you're speaking to the client? Um, secondly, you know, revolving price and what it means for your business. Be very careful of having just kind of a, a hip fire approach to your pricing. You know, if you start giving pricing out to one client, make sure that you have some kind of consistent structure to how you price out, you know, your, your services and your products. Because if you don't, Word spreads pretty quick, you know, or it can at least. And you just want to make sure that you're truly being as professional as you can as a consultant and just have really strong baseline pricing, you know, just have some form, some methodology for pricing projects so that it stays consistent across the board. That's going to reduce stress for you. And it's going to allow you to, um, you know, provide a really good customer experience. They'll know that, hey, this is just their model. This is how they do it. And this is how they always do it. And it's, it's important for their uh, for that to happen with consistency. Um, so that's number two. Number three, no secure form of attention generation. Okay, so attention generation. Well, what is that? Well, obviously we're talking about generating leads. We're talking about getting prospects on the phone or via email or, you know, there's multiple, there's dozens and dozens of different attribution models that you can use to acquire new leads. But typically, especially in the earlier stages, most consultants and rightfully so are re relying heavily on, um, you know, just referrals like, hey, who do you know? You know, that type of thing. And that's great. That's usually the best way to start because it allows you to just communicate with the market in the most direct way. And again, kind of going back to my point, number one, there's no better way as a consultant to truly understand what your market wants than just getting on the phone, just having conversations with people. 
play, you know, play the detective, play the doctor. What you're looking for is to just diagnose the problems and then help them solve it. That's it. It's very simple. As a consultant, our, our job is not to send our clients through some 90 day, you know, transformation program and with all these steps, hoops and challenges to go through necessarily. Our job is just to get them to the end result as efficiently and effectively as possible. That's it. If we can do that in a day, awesome. Let's do that. You know, I personally would pay far more for a transformative result in, in 24 hours or a week than I would a 90 day program. So never confuse volume with quality. You're always just looking for the end result. How quickly and effectively can I get my person, my ideal client profile to the end result that they're actually looking for? Not the one that I want to sell them, the one that they're actually looking for, right? Very, very important. So when it comes to generating leads, just make sure that you're not completely uh, isolated into one area. We have an entire codex, we call it here at the Wealthy Consultant. Taylor's created this. Um, it's a fantastic uh, method, a system, a framework of building out your business so that it's not solely dependent on one form of lead generation. This is something that scales over time. This isn't just something you jump into and you have you know instantly multiple different ways of, of bringing in leads. It doesn't necessarily work like that. But you do want to be very conscious of the idea that you never want to have your business, your entire flow of new conversations coming into your system. You never want to have that completely reliant on one source. All right. Really, really critical. Think longer term and think in stages. Stage one for the first couple of months, I want to make sure that I tap my entire warm market. All right. Then stage two, I'm going to start asking my warm market, Hey, who do you know? And you start expanding beyond there, but eventually you're going to get into the environment where you're going to need some form of paid traffic or some kind of lead generation system in place via content creation, YouTube blogs, whatever it may be, whatever speaks to your audience the best and whatever you feel your message is conveyed in the most effective way possible. You're going to want to deploy those methodologies across your uh, consulting career for sure. All right. Number four, we're getting close here. Uh, neglecting the importance of branding. Now, this is a big one, a really, really big one, because you need to think short-term and long-term at the same time when it comes to branding. And a lot of times when people hear the word branding, they think, oh, logo, and I need a cool looking business card, and maybe I should buy some mugs, and I, I need my website, and I need this and that, and I need some maybe some hats to give to people, whatever it is, right? There's no, There's endless things when it comes to branding in terms of logo identification and whatnot. That's fine. But what I have seen over the years is that typically, especially people in the earlier stages of their development, they spend a lot of time and even a lot of money and energy and effort into this area of their business, which kind of has diminishing returns. Honestly, it, it, it can help you. It, it's good to have some form of identity, absolutely. But someone's not going to necessarily care whether your website is you know, just the most amazing thing ever or if it's just pretty generic and basic, but it speaks to what they're looking for. You know, at the end of the day, people are choosing for the, they're looking for the results, right? So just remember when you're building out these different assets for your company, always remember what's going to serve my market, my client the best. Obviously, you know, if we kind of use the analogy of showing up to an interview, well, if I were to show up today and my hair was a ragged and my clothes were all, you know, just beat up and messy or, <laughs> you know, wrinkled or whatever, you would, obviously kind of have questions about my ability in business probably, right? Because obviously we all have, you know, we need to look a certain way to present the message that we're looking for. So that there's the basics of that, obviously. But when we talk about logo and design and website and all the other things that kind of go along with what people typically think of branding, 
just understand that these are all good things, but you don't need them right out of the gates. And oftentimes, especially for those that are just starting out in their consulting career, you're probably going to evolve as a consultant pretty drastically. You're going to start realizing that, you know what, I thought I was kind of going down this path and serving this market, but i found a different need. I found a different ability. Um, I found the, a new opportunity to help more people or whatever it may be, and it might shift. So you just want to make sure that you leave enough room there so that you don't completely paint yourself into the corner in terms of how you are presented online and how you are running your business. Now let's flip to the other side of that equation though. It is absolutely imperative that you do look legitimate and that you do have the ability to convey your message effectively if people are looking for information on you. So naturally, we always look at the basics of making sure that your social profiles all look really clean and, and connected across the board, meaning if I go to LinkedIn and I find your profile there, and then I go to Facebook and I find your profile there, there should be a pretty clean connectivity between those platforms. It shouldn't look like two totally different companies or two, two totally different people. It's very, very important that you have a nice flow across the different social channels that you intend to deploy. Um, you know, when it comes to your logos and this and that, again, you can geek out on that stuff as much as you want, that's fine. But at the end of the day, an awesome logo isn't gonna solve your client's problem. That's not what they're paying for. They're paying for you to help them get to their end destination, right? And whether you just have a really basic, hey, here's my name and my business card, but I, I can throw down some amazing results for you. That's what they care about. So just be aware of that. Just be conscious of how much time, effort, and energy and money you put into the branding equation when it comes to logos and identification and whatnot in the marketplace. Again, social channels are huge. You definitely want to have a nice presence there and make sure that they're consistent across all multi-channel approach. And then lastly, another element that a lot of people don't think of, and this is where I want to speak more long-term, is the fact that branding isn't just about logos, colors, and slogans. It's also about your core beliefs as a business owner, as a company. It's your ethos as to how you operate in the market, what you believe you bring to the marketplace, what you want for your customers, your mission statement. There's so many other elements. In fact, I would argue that those are far more uh, worthy of your time and attention, especially in the earlier stages, because those are the things that you're actually going to operate on. These are things that you're going to base decisions on. Who is my client? What do I want for them? How do I want to serve them? How should, what does a good experience with us look like? These are also branding elements um, of how you convey your value to the marketplace. So it's really, really critical that you have those on lock. I, in fact, I see it a lot where people spend so much time on their website and logos and they have no idea what their mission statement is. There's no idea what their operating procedures look like. All right. So I would default to the other side and make sure that you have a very, very strong understanding of your mission statement, where you stand in the marketplace, your end objectives as a consultant. These are far more imperative branding assets than what color it is or what, you know, how many mugs or pens or letterheads that you have drafted up. Okay. So just be aware of that. And then lastly, guys, as we wrap up here, number five of the top five biggest mistakes that consultants make in business, lack of operational systems. This is a huge one. Operational systems. I could geek out with you for, for hours on this one. I spent a lot of time in this world. Um, but I will put it this way. Operational systems. What does that mean? SOPs, standard operating procedures are things that allow you to truly systematize the flow of information that a customer experiences when they first start working with you. It also allows your enti entire team to work with you in a more systemized, 
efficient manner because people are doing the same things on a more consistent basis. There's so many benefits. It would be, like I said, I, I could talk for a long, long time about this, but what I think I see a lot of people lacking in this area, again, I'm speaking more to those that are in the earlier stages of their career. They don't necessarily put as much emphasis towards this because they think, well, I, I'm just, I gotta go out and get clients. And they're so focused on that and that's fine. But here's the thing. If you're constantly approaching the market and your different strategies of acquiring customers, if it's constantly different, then you're going to get sporadic results, right? So sporadic data in, you're going to get sporadic, uh, sporadic data back out. You never know what worked. It's like, well, I was calling people today and then I was emailing over here and I was sending out some newsletters and it's just really haphazard and you don't necessarily know what worked. But here's the thing. When you start to systematize things, when you actually create standard operating procedures where the same thing gets done in the same way at the same time, the same process, here's the cool part about that. You can very now start to see an actual flow of data come into your business. Well, we outreached to this many people. This is how much feedback we got back. These are how many customers were acquired from that effort. When you start doing things the same way at the same time in the same manner, it allows you to identify things that aren't working much, much faster. Because if you see that there's a, a imagine a hose, if you will, right? Like we're trying to get leads into our business and flowing into our business at the other end. So you need flowing in leads and flowing into our business. Well, a hose is going to work as long as there aren't a bunch of kinks in it, right? And as you work through your business and your systems, your operating operating procedures, you're going to notice that, wow, at this stage of things, things kind of break down, whatever that may be, whether it's an onboarding process or there's, you know, lead gen process, whatever it may be, you're going to find that there's some element where things stop and or slow down or aren't as effective. You as a business owner can now look at a very clear, identifiable aspect of your business operation, go, that thing isn't working. Let's address just that. You know, it's very easy as entrepreneurs to just run around like chicken with, chickens with our heads cut off and feel like there's so many things to do. And there are. However, when you actually start running your business with clear operating systems, then you can start looking at things in terms of their priority instead of their urgency. Okay. So you can start going, you know what, this is the highest priority action item or task or problem that I need to solve in my business. Because every time we hit this particular phase, things happen or something isn't quite right or whatever it is. So you can put all your energy and focus towards that one thing, fix it, and then move on to the next. All right. So I don't care whether you're just starting out or you've been in business for multiple decades like myself, always look at your systems, try to create SOPs for every facet of your operation for your company. Because if you do, you're not only going to allow yourself to understand and have feel like you have a better grasp of your business, but it's going to allow you to have your team understand that things get done this way. And this is how it should look when it, when the end result comes out. Now things change, things improve, things optimize, hopefully. Right. So by having that SOP, it doesn't mean that it's locked in stone forever, but it gives you a baseline to operate from. And as you use it, typically what I see is that you'll find different systems will evolve over time as your business grows, as the strategies change, whatever it may be. SOPs are designed to evolve and improve over time, but you got to start somewhere. So really look at having standard operating procedures built into your business for every you know asset 
uh, aspect rather of your business, you know, lead gen, internal operations, finance, marketing, et cetera, try to standardize these procedures as quickly and early into the game as you can so that you can start to really lock those down and improve them over time. All right. Awesome, guys. So that is my top five. I know there's a lot. I hopefully uh, we didn't overload your brain there, but just as a quick recap, top five, number one, failing to validate message market match. Make sure you know who you're talking to and that you're talking their language. Uh, number two, um, no clear pricing strategy. You know, you really want to have consistency with that. And you want to understand that you're not charging necessarily just by your hour, or by your cost. It's by the end result. What am I getting for my customer? Number three, no secure form of attention generation. Make sure that you're not just completely dependent on one method of that, whether it be paid traffic, organic, uh, referral only, whatever it may be. Make sure that you begin to, over time, diversify that flow so you're not you know, limiting your ability to grow over time. Number four, neglecting the importance of branding. Again, branding isn't just logos, colors, and slogans. It's it's a whole you know thought. It's a whole psychology behind your business that you really want to get locked down. And then lastly, like we just talked about, operational systems. Awesome, guys. Well, I hope hopefully that helps. This is um, obviously just a very quick download of everything we talk about here at the Modern Day Consultant uh, program and everything that we do with the Wealthy Consultancy as a total large entity. Um, excited to have you guys here, and we look forward to speaking with you on the next one. I'm sure Taylor will be with me on the next one, and we'll jam out with you guys. All right. Have a great one. We'll speak soon. <laughs>